Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 through 9. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, We may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it, or you will die. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye, and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? Where are you? Do you remember that time when you were probably around uh, three years old, maybe four years old, and you had this new box of Crayolas, right? All sorts of beautiful, bright colors, and you were wondering to yourself, should I be limited to just a coloring book? How boring is that? I don't even want to stay within the lines. Huh. There's got to be a greater reason for me to have these crayons. And then you had this moment of awareness that there was a blank wall right there. Easy access, just the right height. The wall goes to the floor, so of course it's going to be the right height. And you say to yourself, ah, there it is. Here's my chance. I'm going to create a masterpiece. And so you take your new bright Crayolas and you walk up to the wall and you begin drawing that new masterpiece swirls and circles and, of course, the famous stick people with heads that don't match their bodies, right? Yes. Woo! This is evidence that I've arrived in the art world. This is what these crayons were meant for. And as you're standing there admiring your work, Remember this part? You heard footsteps. Maybe it was mom or dad, or maybe worse, it was grandma. <laughs> Grandmas are always dangerous. I know because I'm married to one. They're always dangerous, right? And of course, you, you didn't stay there admiring your work, did you? You heard the footsteps, and what did you do? You went into hiding, right? 
Yeah, he jumped into your bed and pulled your covers over your head as if, right? Grandma's not going to notice a large bump in the middle of my bed. I don't know why we always thought that was a great hiding place, but that's usually where we ended up. Maybe like my grandson, you hid behind the chair. Nobody is going to admire your works. <laughs> and so you know the only alternative is to go into hiding. Where's witness protection when you really need them, right? Yeah. Oh. That's exactly what our first parents did. Not, not the drawing with crayons on the wall, but the hiding part, right? They went and hid. And honestly, human beings, all of us in this room, we've been hiding ever since for one reason or another. We've all been hiding. And maybe some of us are hiding still. We hide because we feel guilty. Maybe we hurt someone. Maybe we did something that we ought not to do. Maybe we cheated or lied or stolen or any number of things that we've done in the darkness. We feel guilt for, and so we hide. Maybe we are ashamed. Maybe, maybe we have been shamed, and so the social media bullies have been beating us up to the point where I'm just going to go hide, hide. Maybe we're just hurt or scared. There's any number of reasons for us to hide, not just because we've been drawing with our crayons on the wall, all manner of reasons why we might hide. And where is it that we hide? Well, all we are told in the narrative is that Adam, as male and female, they simply went and uh, were among the trees in the garden. <laughs> Hopefully there were some bushes, because trees aren't really going to help them very much. Where do we hide? Where do we hide? Well, many of us hide behind our lies. Some of us hide literally under our covers in the fetal position. Some of us hide behind our private tears or behind our screens. We don't want to interact with anyone. We'll just look at our screen. We'll hide there. Some of us hide behind our busyness and we just become numb. Some of us, we hide behind the masks that we wear. We all hide. And we all hide for different reasons. And we all hide in different ways. I don't know about you, but I, I've discovered that hiding is exhausting. <laughs> it's just exhausting. I mean, think about it. Where should I hide? How should I hide? How long should I hide? Who's looking for me? Where? How? Have you ever played hide-and-seek with maybe a, a, a two- or three-year-old, maybe a nephew or 
um, a kid that you were babysitting and you tell them the rules of the game is you're going to count and they're going to go off and hide and you're going to go find them. Have you done that with a child that's about two or three years old? Yeah. And, and of course, you begin counting and they go and they stand behind the curtain and you're done counting. <laughs> and then they come out and they say, here I am. That's not hiding. That's not hiding. <laughs> hiding is hard. Hiding is exhausting. It's full of tension. We're fearful. What if, what if someone finds me, actually finds me, and I get, I get exposed? What happens if they find out the truth of who I am? I must hide. Hide. <laughs> it's terrible to hide unless you're playing a game. Adam has nailed it deep. This is no game. In fact, all of the features that I've just described are part of the biblical narrative that's before us, and it's an ongoing part of the biblical witness. Over and over and over again, the heroes of the faith even are are known for their hiding. It's not something that is a one-off here in Genesis. Adam, as male and female, are tempted. They want to be God. Who doesn't want to be God? I want to be God. <laughs> it's a good thing for all of you I'm not. Let me just say that right at the outset. But who doesn't want to be God? Who doesn't want to be in charge of themselves? Who doesn't want to have self-determination? Who doesn't want to be their own boss? Our daughter, when she was three years old, she would say over and over again, do it myself, Daddy. Do it myself because she wanted to be in charge because she already knew all the answers at the age of three. Yeah, we all want that. We all want to be in charge. And imagine this, if you've ever been in an orchard, if you've ever been in a vineyard, and you're standing there, and there are trees and fruit in every direction you look, and God said to them, he said, eat from any of these, <laughs> right? Yeah, there's pomegranates over here, there's figs here, there's apples here, there's oranges here, Eat from all of them. Look around you. You're surrounded by options. Just don't eat from that one. That one. Don't eat from that one. Not that one. But the tempter said in verse 5, he says, Your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And so they take fruit from the one tree. <laughs> the one tree. And it says in verse 7, their eyes were opened. And they know. If you look at the story very carefully, what is it that they know? They know what is patently obvious. They're naked. <laughs> wow, wow. There's an insight worthy of rebellion. I don't have any clothes on. <laughs> oh, yeah, it was worth eating from that one tree. 
yeah, it, it was worth knowing. It was worth becoming my own boss so that I could know I'm naked. Wow. And so they did. And so we hide. Thankfully, the story doesn't end in the hiding, right? If, if the story had ended there, number one, it would have been a very short story. And if it had ended in the hiding, it would have been a tragic, tragic story. I mean, think about it. God could have just dusted his hands off and walked away. End of story. Credits at the end of the movie. The end. But that's not how it ends. Look at verse 9. The story's going to continue, and it continues with a question. God says, where are you? Where are you? So does that imply that, that God does not know where they're at? Well, David, in Psalm 139, kind of puts the kibosh to that when he says, if I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me. Even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. No, no, no. God knows where they are. Is God angry? Come out wherever you are so I can beat you up. So I can take a, a branch off of one of these trees you were supposed to eat from and smack you on the back until you bleed. He doesn't. Where are you? Is that because Adam as male and female are really good at hiding? I doubt it. <laughs> I doubt it. Where are you? Is none of those things. But rather, it's an invitation to come out from hiding. I would argue that this is evidence of, of a father who is grieved, who has deep pain, compassion for those who bear his image. This is the first of many snapshots of the Father's heart. My friends who, um, who go to AA, Alcoholics Anonymous, or NA, Narcotics Anonymous, they tell me the same thing when they talk about the 10 steps, they tell me that the first step is really the most critical step. And that step is admitting that they're drug addict or admitting that they're an alcoholic. And the reason that that's such a critical first step is because if you don't admit it, 
then there's no process by which the next nine steps will have any value. You have to admit that there's something wrong so that you can, in fact, begin to be rescued, to be restored, and to be healed. Where are you is, in essence, God, our Father, with the loving heart, calling for them to come out of hiding, admitting their sin so that they might be healed, rescued, and restored. In theological language, we call that confession and repentance. This is the beginning of the end of the story. Where are you? In the Gospels, Luke's Gospel in particular, chapter 15, we find what amounts to three lost stories. The first of those stories is, uh, is Jesus is telling the parable of the shepherd who had a hundred sheep and one of them goes off wandering. <laughs> Sound familiar? And he says, the shepherd leaves the ninety and nine to go and search to find that one lost sheep. And he does. And when he does, there's celebration. The second lost story is the story of the woman who lost a coin. And she does everything that she can possibly do. She lights a lamp. She sweeps all of the corners of her house until she finds that lost coin. There, both of those narratives are about searching, going to the extreme, searching to find that which is lost. The third lost story in Luke 15 is the story of the lost son. We know it perhaps better by the title, The Prodigal Son. He is lost. He goes his own way. He wants to be his own boss, his own God. And it does not end well, just like it doesn't end well for us. And as the story comes near the end, we see a father watching the horizon, searching for any evidence that his son is coming back. So it, too, is a searching story of one that is lost. It, too, is a glimpse of the father's heart. Seeking healing, rescue, and restoration for that son who's lost. We all hide. It's uh, in our DNA, if you will. Our first parents did it. Our grandparents did it. Our parents did it. We're doing it. 
My children did it. My grandchildren do it. We all hide. And sometimes it's more devastating than other times. And sometimes it is so destructive. Hiding is exhausting. Hiding is hard. It's filled with fear and uncertainty. So where, where can I, where can we find freedom from our guilt and our shame, our hiding? Where, where, can I, where can I go and take off the mask that I'm hiding behind? Where can I go and stop living the lie that is so consuming? Where can I go so I stop hurting so I can get out of the fetal position and come out from under the covers. The answer is when we hear the invitation of a loving father who says, where are you? And come out. Father, as we have opportunity today to give thought to those places and those occasions when we hide, help us to hear your invitation, the invitation of a loving Father to come out and to be embraced by the one who knows us best and loves us most of all. Amen. Stand, please, and receive the benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May you go from this place and be found to his glory. Amen.